What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Spectator Mode Podcast. I don't remember which episode it is, but I know it's up there. And we got a kind of a lighthouse today. Two of our members are, are disappeared or MIA. I don't know what happened to them, but it's fine because I got my man Diego Perez here helping me hold the podcast down for today. Diego, sir, what have you been up to? Uh, we've been over this video games. Yeah, I, I know. I, we, we, we started recording the podcast and then we realized the podcast was not recording. So this is take number two. So unfortunately, I have to make him repeat everything that he just said but he's got this yeah so i've been playing a lot of games primarily fire emblem three houses and i don't want to talk too much about it because the folks at the nintendo entertainment podcast probably talked a lot about it but they won't shut up about it yeah i'm still gonna say quite a bit about it because i've sunk about 35 to 40 hours into it it's really good i'm liking it a lot i've only played the 3ds fire emblem games and i've only finished awakening i didn't finish fates even though that wasn't one wasn't that great but three houses i'm liking it a lot so far it's my favorite fire emblem of the ones that i've played but i'm finding it really easy which, which is weird for me to say because I'm normally not the greatest at strategy games, but it's, like I said, almost 40 hours in and I haven't lost a single unit uh, because the game is really beginner-friendly. It does a lot of things to make it really easy. It streamlines a lot of things. You can turn back time if you make a mistake, which I really like, even though it makes the game super easy. Like, if you lose a unit or somebody is in a bad position, you can press a button and rewind the past few turns, and you can upgrade this ability as the game goes on. It's ridiculous. I think I have it to, like, I can go back 10 turns if I want stupid because most battles only last around 10 turns so i can wait, 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 pretty wait, much wait, anything wait, wait wait so is there a difficulty mode in this game <clears throat> excuse me yeah, and you, you can choose uh normal or hard and if you don't want permadeath you can turn that off too whoa, whoa, whoa. there's permadeath in here well that's actually sounds pretty cool i have to give this a try yeah, that's, that's fire Island's big thing is that you grow attached to your units or whatever and you spend a lot of time with them but if they fall in battle they're gone for good my dear sir, let me introduce you to a game. I'm pretty sure you've played it. A game that has dr driven me crazy and mad. That game is called Darkest Dungeon. Now, when you say you grow attached to people in your squad and then they die, I played that game nonstop for months. And I literally went apeshit because I would grow attached to this character, build them up, and then go into a dungeon, and the game would go, yeah, that ass is dead. Forget this. Sorry. Sounds like that. Not as punishing as Darkest Dungeon, but... Yeah, the, the same uh, principle still applies, is if you lose that character. it's Well, you don't lose them permanently, it's just they can't participate in battles. If they're, like, story-relevant characters, they'll still show up around the hub area, and you can talk to them and develop their uh, their support relationships and things like that. But as far as using them as a unit in battle goes, you can't do that anymore. Oh, well, they're still around, they're just useless. Okay, well, that kind well, of makes sense. Because a big sense. part of Fire Emblem is, uh, it's only really just a half-strategy game, the other half is, like, a live sim kind of deal. Because mm -hmm. the way it's structured is you're a professor at this military academy, and you have your class of students. And at the end of every month, it, it's, a, it's on a persona-like calendar system, which I really like. Um, and at the end of every month, there's a big mission that advances the story, but you have weeks in between those uh, big missions. So you have free time. One day every week, you have a day off. And you get to spend your time going around the monastery that all these kids are at. Do a certain amount of actions, like in Persona, how if you spend time with somebody, it uses up your action for the day. But in Three Houses, you get like, it, it increases more as the game goes on, but you can go and visit with your students, spend time with them, even kids that aren't in your class. And if you hang out with them enough, they'll join your class. But you can socialize with people and develop their support, uh, support ranks. That, in turn, will make them do better in battle with each other. And there's other stuff, too. Like, you can go fishing. You can uh, have lunch with your students. You can choir practice. And everything feeds back into the core strategy gameplay because it, it upgrades your units. But you spend a lot of time in this monastery and you really get to know your units, which is what I really like about Fire Emblem. And I feel like they nailed the cast of characters this time around. 
so Plus basically, games which look really different depending on which house you pick. There's three houses. So you're basically saying that Nintendo has another hit on their hands. Oh yeah, no, for sure. This is the best game they put on in a while. Whoa, it's wait, wait, really good. Better than Smash? Well, I'm biased, obviously, but <laughs> it's it's up there. It, well, they're very different games too. We need Tyler in here, Tyler and Todd, so they can start going at us. Like, wait, you're saying it's better than Smash? Because I'm pretty sure. Well, I don't know. They've been talking a lot about Fire Emblem as well, so you know, it kind of makes kind of interesting. I would have to talk to those two. Um, I, I get, like I said, I have the game. I have not played it as of yet. I'm probably going to soon, um, but I'll get into that eventually. Uh, that said, and I have to ask because who I am, how is the performance on the Switch? Okay, uh, performance wise, it's actually not that bad. They're graphically, I mean, it's on Switch, so it's not going to be 4K blowing your mind graphics, but it's the job done. Uh, there's a lot of jagged edges. I don't think there's a lot of... I don't think there's any anti-aliasing in this game, actually. Um, but it runs well for the most part. 30 frames per second locked. It dips a few times. But it's a turn-based strategy game, so it doesn't matter too much. But if you're a performance knob, which I know the both of us are, it won't turn you away. Well, I'm not I'm not too concerned about that. I Obviously, you know you have compromises when you have the Switch. And the Switch has had a lot of uh, visually gra- uh, impressive games. Super Smash, uh, Fast RMX. Uh, there's been a lot of cool games on there, and there are a lot more graphical intensive games coming out on the Switch later on this year. So I'm not going to say good or bad. I was just curious because I saw some people talking about the frame rate suffers sometimes, and that kind of takes me out of the immersion if it, if it stutters every so often or or does it a lot. So I'm glad to hear no, it doesn't really do that. But, yeah, it's it, it happens every now and then. Well, I mean, before that game, you that game's good. Before you keep going about this Fire Emblem game, because I know you're going to do it, let me get it in mind real quick, because mine is pretty simple. Honestly, I've been playing a lot of Destiny 2. I was always a big fan of the game, and then they made some really odd design choices and gameplay changes, which soured me to the game. And then uh, Division 2 came out, and then I started playing a lot of Division 2, and then they made a lot of decisions that I really didn't care about. And then they lied to everybody and said that everybody could you know do all the content to get without you know being part of a group a group a guild or a clan and then they come off the rate and say hey you need a, you need a clan or, or a guild or people to play with which everybody that i played with stopped playing so that kind of eliminated me playing raid so i stopped playing that started playing more of destiny 2 and then it still happens that bungie started making some really smart decisions and what is this the summer of solstice now yeah solstice of heroes those of heroes. So I've been playing that, trying to get my gear upgraded. Been playing a lot of Crucible, uh, running a lot of missions because I'm on my second part of the. Um, I have the renewed armor now, so now I got to get it up to majestic armor. So that's a lot of grinding, going through Crucible, going through strikes, collecting orbs, and I've been playing that game literally nonstop, which is bad because a couple companies sent me stuff to check out, and I haven't done it yet. So I should probably stop playing Destiny 2, but it's got me hooked again. I, I I really cannot wait for Shadowkeep now. I just need to find some people to play it with now. Once once Cross Save comes out, I'll hop on PC and I'll jump in there with you. Because I really want to do the raids. It's a lot of fun. The gunplay, I've always loved the gunplay in Destiny 2. It's so satisfying. Yeah, All right, well. Where there's like content now, so. Yeah, there's, so there's a lot of content. There's so much to do now. Yeah, you can literally play this for weeks on end. You know, and. I, I keep seeing the comparisons between that and Warframe, and 
Warframe still has a leg up on it, but I think Bungie, now that they're no longer attached to Activision, it's going to do their own thing. And we're seeing it now. Shadowkeep, like I said, it's going to be very interesting to see. All right, but uh, we got some things to talk about today, so let's go ahead and knock those out. The very first thing, obviously, is this is the weekend of EVO. I'm not sure if you caught any of the matches as of late, lately, but I've been watching Street Fighter, uh, some Dragon Ball. I've been watching some people play Metal Revolution all stream, which is a up-and-coming indie game, fighting game. Looks very really interesting. I played the beta of it a while ago. Very, very fun. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of the game that Radiant Entertainment was working on, Rise and Thunder. Uh, it'll be coming out for Steam later on this year in early access. I'm not sure where else it's releasing. But um, during EVO, obviously, Riot Games purchased uh, Radiant Entertainment a couple years ago, back in 2016. And people attached to that studio was, you know, Tom Cannon, which is co-founder of uh, of the fighting game of Evo. He's well known within the fighting game community. Him and his brother also gave us the the uh, GGPO or Good Game Peace Out, which is a great middleware client that helps remove lag and make fighting game sessions a lot better. And during the stream, the Evo stream, he mentioned that Riot Games is working on a fighting game. He officially announced it. Which is great because we kind of figured that Riot purchased Radiant Games for their expertise. And now, three years later, two and a half years later, we finally have an official announcement that Riot Games is working on a fighting game. Now, we don't know anything about the fighting game other than they're working on it. That Tom Cannon is attached, Seth Killian is attached, also a co-founder of, of EVO. Also well-known in the fighting game community from his days back at Capcom, Santa Monica, where he worked on PlayStation All-Stars, which did not do very well whatsoever. It was very bad. But uh, he's attached to it as well. And um, I'm really looking forward to it because it seems like they took a lot of the DNA from Rising Thunder, which was made to be a fighting game that was more accessible to the masses instead of challenging combos and special moves and tactics and it, it wasn't to dumb it down but like i said it was to make it more accessible so more people could play it more people could enjoy it yeah so it's, it's interesting to see that he's finally did that I, i'm i know we probably won't hear anything about that game for quite some time but i'm really suspecting that there's going to be some kind of low-key announcement at, at evo before before the event's over there has to be a reason why he said oh hey we're going work on this fighting game there has to be a reason he said that. They might save it for League of Legends Worlds uh, later this summer. Possibly, but I mean, if you're working on a fighting game, right? You're at the biggest fighting game tournament in North America. Unless it's set in the League of Legends universe, then they would wait for Worlds. I would. Yeah, think. I don't know if they would put it League of Legends though. That would be. I mean, I know a lot of people want that, but uh, I don't know. I would rather sure see a brand new IP. But I would yeah. too. But if they if they make a League fighting game, yeah. it's already like top 10 biggest games on the planet that's gonna be that would be very interesting you know and then you gotta see think about that because i know another game that people want as a fighting game they've been asking for quite some time and that's uh overwatch especially because the arcade games are overwatch people are like i want an overwatch fighting game can you just imagine what would happen if that that becomes a league of legends fighting game and the floodgates open up and we're seeing two different genres of games collide that would be interesting yeah i think it'd be cool I haven't played League of Legends in God knows years. That game just stressed me the hell. I had to stop. I mean, I was literally yelling at my teammates. My teammates were yelling at me. It's like, all right, this game is uh, 
can be very toxic. I gotta stop and put this down. Yeah, but I don't, I don't do MOBAs either. It's the toxicity. <laughs> it was fun though. I will say it was a lot of fun. What do you think about the the idea of their fighting game? I know you said it'd be nice if it was League of Legends. But outside of that, you do play a fair share of fighting games in the past. I think yeah, you yeah, still. I love fighting games. Uh, I, I'm always looking for new fighting games to play, and I really hope that they make a something something innovative and new. I don't want them to just put out a Street Fighter clone or something, or if they do a a hyper fighter like Marvel or something. I I'm, I just want to see what they they'll do because Riot Games has just been League of Legends since their inception, and this is going to be their next big thing. I, I think Riot making any new game is super exciting. Yeah, like I said, it'll be interesting. I, I can't wait to find out when this game's going to come out. We're finding out more information about it. Like you said, it could be doing a League of Legends thing. It could be a Gamescom. It could be a Tokyo Game Show. It could be to, not until next year. But just the fact that Tom brought the the uh, the dream back to life because everybody had given up. They thought that it was over. It's, it's good to see that they're still working on it and that <clears throat> they let the, the community know that, hey, this game is still coming. Wait for it. I, I can't wait for it, actually. And that'll be interesting, but not as interesting as this next bit. And so unless you guys have been living under a rock and have been missing all the news as of late, you would know that perhaps the biggest Fortnite streamer, do you think he's the biggest Fortnite streamer or oh, one of the sure. biggest? The biggest. I think he's the biggest streamer, period. I don't think he's the biggest streamer. Well, yeah, he's, got, he, he's top top five. Yeah, he's up there. He's he's definitely up there. Uh, Ninja, Richard Tyler Ninja Bevins has announced and has already moved from Twitch to Mixer. Mixer is Microsoft's streaming platform and a, and a platform that many people are saying, what's Mixer? I've never heard of it, which is beyond me. I, I don't want to say it's ignorance, but Mixer has been around for a while. It formally started off as Beam. Microsoft picked up the, the company and it got rebranded to Mixer maybe a year and a half ago, almost two years ago. And they've been doing good things. You, they don't have the exposure that Twitch does. Well, I take that back. They didn't have the exposure that Twitch had. But ever since Ninja has moved over to the platform, he actually streamed yesterday. It was his first stream yesterday. It's been going crazy. People are still talking about it. His, his stream yesterday... And I've been on Mixer for a couple of years. I don't stream that much anymore. I'm trying to, but ever since his stream started last or uh, yesterday, what was it yesterday? Day before yesterday, he, before he started streaming, he had mm, close to I was it? One say two hundred thousand people. As of yesterday, or maybe as of right now, let me check it right now. As of right now, he has five hundred fifty-five thousand followers. I'm sorry, subscriptions. Well, it's a mixture. Subscriptions, Microsoft is giving, out, is giving out free subscriptions for the first two months. What you got to imagine, that's a lot of money. And he has 555,002 followers. Now, I know a lot of people are like, well, that's not really big. That is huge for Mixer. Nobody has gotten to, I think the highest it was on Mixer was like 200-something thousand. He has doubled that. And then some. And he's still getting them. Obviously, when the news uh, leaked, or not leaked, or news announced that he was leaving Twitch, Twitch wasn't too happy about this. And they took away his verified status with the quickness. Just gone. Which is great. (laughs) Yeah, they were like, gone. Just gone. Like, you know, hey, they're showing titties on Twitch. It doesn't matter. Hey, this guy's being racist. It doesn't matter. Yo, one of your biggest streamers out. What? Yeah, so... I got to imagine that there are some frustrated people over at uh, Twitch right now. But, you know, it happens. And I'm glad to see that he did that. Not because I want 
Twitch to do bad because uh, let's be honest, because he left Twitch is not going to hurt Twitch. If anything, it just gives it more room for other streamers to step up and try and take his place. But this is great for Microsoft because, again, people that said, who's Mixer? What is Mixer? And they heard of it. It gives the platform a much needed shot of exposure. He He's not the first Mixer, or I'm sorry, he's not the first Twitch streamer to leave Twitch to go to, to, go to Mixer, but he is easily the highest profile one and the highest paid one. There have been other people that moved over that have a contract with Microsoft and streamer Mixer, but there's a little rumor going around that a certain website says that he was paid $50 million. Now, they can't provide any proof of that, but you got to imagine, he was paid quite a bit of money to leave Twitch to go to Mixer, which is, you know, I, I don't want to say, kids, stop going to school and, and go play games because this is this is just like a professional sport. You know, the only select few make it. This is not going to be the normal for everybody, but it's nice to see that you can actually stream a game, get your stuff in order, take care of yourself, and make a living out of it. I mean, seriously, this dude is set for life for playing a video game. It's just, wow. And he's not the only one, but he's easily the biggest profile one right now. As of what this signifies, I think it's... When I was thinking about this, it reminded me of a line from the Avengers when Thor was talking about the Tesseract, basically stating that this signifies that the Earth is ready for an advanced form of, of warfare. This basically signifies that, hey, Mixer is going on the offensive now. We're tired of being looked at as the underdog, and we're going to start signing people and bringing people over and pushing our weight around, which is a big deal. He, Ninja is not the first, as I mentioned. He is far from the last. He will probably be the highest paid, bar none, but he will not be the last person to come from Twitch, to come from Facebook, or leave YouTube. And honestly... This is going to be um, a firing shot. You're going to see this from everybody. You, go, you might see people leave Twitch and go to Facebook. Because Facebook, it's very... They're, what's the word looking for? They are really looking to make a name for themselves in the streaming platform as well. And they've been doing pretty good. I'd say if you were to rank the big four, it would be Twitch, uh, YouTube, Facebook, and then Mixer. Facebook has been making a lot of ground. I remember uh, going to E3. I'm not E3, I'm sorry, PAX. And they were doing it big time, big time. And they've been doing it big at E3, sorry, you say E3 at PAX every year. Um, you're going to be heading out to PAX South, not sorry, yeah, PAX South, uh, when is that, next January? January? Yep. So I imagine Facebook's going to be there big. And PAX West, isn't that coming up? I believe I think, in a few months. Yeah, I think PAX West is, PAX West 2019 is going to be, this month, end of this month, August thirtieth. Yeah, so I imagine they're going to be at uh, PAX West doing it big as well. So, thoughts on that? Thoughts on um, Ninja or any other streamers making the jump from one platform to another? I think it's huge. I mean, this is like unprecedented. The someone of this this big getting paid this much to go stream somewhere else. It's like it's this is this is like I said, this is professional sports money now. Yeah, but I just. I want to see Mixer succeed because I, I believe it's the better platform than Twitch uh, in terms of moderation and just technically. Like, there's no delay on the streams and that. I like the feature set better. Yeah. I, I want 
to see other platforms compete with Twitch on on the same level because Twitch is just so much larger than anybody else at this point because they 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 were the first and they've been cemented in in the gaming space for so long. But I, I want to see other people uh, step up. I want to see what happens. Yeah, and I wonder if other streamers, other big streamers like Ninja Level streamers, will get offered money to go stream on Mixer after see, this. See, see, here's the thing. Um, I'm pretty sure you'll see them. Because I don't understand the whole thing here. I don't understand the whole process. But from what I understand, Twitch doesn't give their members contracts in the sense of what Mixer's doing. So you would imagine that um, Mixer streamers, or if you made the jump from from Twitch to, to Mixer, you would actually get a contract. I know they make you stay exclusive to Twitch. You can't stream anywhere else. And Mixer, obviously, the same way. They don't want their big names stream anywhere else. But I think this is the first time that somebody, or second, uh, another streamer on Mixer got a contract as well. I don't know how Twitch does it, but I saw some people talking about that they don't really give them a contract. I would imagine that they're thinking about changing that up now. Because Microsoft has has uh, Ninja locked up for God knows how long. A couple yeah, of years he, easily. He's a Microsoft property now. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and you're going to see him a lot more. You're probably going to see him at every E3 if there's another E3. Uh, he's for every... sure promoting Halo. Yeah, he's definitely doing. Yeah, he's doing. He's doing Halo Infinite and the new Xbox. He for right now is the face of. He will be the face of Xbox. Hands down. Microsoft knew exactly what they were doing when they did this. Um, but yeah, I I would like to see a lot more people make the jump. I do agree with you. The reason why I stopped streaming on Twitch to go to Mixer is because I like the feature set. Uh, FTL is actually great. But Mixer Mixer did it first. Twitch caught up. Mixer did the co-streaming thing. Twitch copied that. Um, and when I went to E3 a couple years ago, I actually met some of the people from Mixer, some of the developers. And they were really cool people. And we sat there and talked for a couple hours about the technology, why they did it, what's going on, their plans for the future. And it was an interesting talk. And it was just like, wow, these guys are actually really cool. And like you said, the moderation. Mixer is on point. They have been on point for a while. And it's actually kind of funny because now people are complaining. Like They're complaining about the, the ratings and how much skin you can show. And I'm like, but they did this like six, seven months ago. But all of a sudden, because Ninja makes a jump to Mixer, all of a sudden it's a big deal. It's like, where were you at when they were doing this before? Oh wait, Mixer wasn't a big deal then, but now it is. Now you gotta complain. It's it's just it's kind of it's kind of funny, but yeah, this war it is definitely a war now. It's gonna be very interesting the next couple of months to a year to see what Twitch does to keep their members. And you know what? Here we go. I'm gonna be asked right now. Twitch can keep their toxic streamers. They can keep them all. I don't want to see them on Mixer. I don't think Mixer will let them come over. I, yeah, think, I, I think Mixer is very selective about who they want being yeah. the face of their platform. They I don't think this... like someone like Dr. Disrespect would be big Hell no. at all. I don't think they would allow him to, to grow to where he's been on Twitch. I don't think they would. You think of it this way. There's a lot of people that aren't really fans of him. And to think that if they brought him over, there would be an issue with not just the streamers, but the viewers. I'm pretty sure he would get his people really quick. But I don't think Microsoft would bring him over. But... There's also a downside to this. And the downside is pretty much this. Mixer is owned by Microsoft. Twitch is owned by Amazon. You can stream natively to Twitch from your PlayStation, from your Xbox. Cannot stream natively to 
mixer from your PlayStation. Ergo, there is a problem. You need a capture card. Sony will likely not put Mixer onto the PlayStation because it is owned by Microsoft. The, even though that might change. Well, we don't be- know. I, yeah, I think it, with the launch of the next generation of consoles, it could happen. That's, it that's what nice. I wanted to ask you about. Like, if you think there, there's got to be a chance, right, of, of Mixer functionality being built into the PlayStation Five. Okay, so we talked about this. We talked about this when I talked to the Mixer developers, and they said they were 100% on board on doing this. And somebody else talked about this about a year ago from Microsoft saying they would like to see this. But yeah, that's, that's Microsoft with all their services. They're, I, they're open to any platform. It's just Sony's the problem. Yeah, Sony is the one that has to decide if they're going to do this or not. And I think it would be, it would be silly for them not to do this. They would not lose any money. They have no stake in this whatsoever. And it's not like they're losing money. It's like this. You buy the new PlayStation, or or they can even patch it to the PlayStation Four. It's just a damn service, right? You buy Fortnite, or you don't buy Fortnite. You buy I don't know whatever. Say you bought Tekken Seven on PlayStation Four. I want to stream the mixer, okay? PlayStation, what's stopping you from doing this? There's nothing from stopping you from doing this. You don't make any money from Twitch. You don't make any money from YouTube. What could literally stop you from doing this, other than pride? Nothing. Nothing. You're using Microsoft Azure for your whatever cloud stuff you got going on. A Microsoft product. Why not put Mixer on the PlayStation? Chances are you're going to be using Azure for the next PlayStation. So you're using Microsoft services and your APIs already. Why not do it for your streaming platform? I think the PS5 will have a built-in. Like it, I, There's no way. I think Mixer's gotten large enough to where it needs to be a thing now. It needs to be. I mean, it, it really needs to be. And I'm just looking at the numbers right now. Because I, I always look at the, the uh, discrepancies between the amount of streamers and views on Mixer between uh, Twitch. Because it's it's curious. I mean, Fortnite's got 10,000 people right now because Ninja's not streaming. But there are still the people on Mixer that are still streaming the hell out of Fortnite. And I will say this. I'm going to say this. And I've said this from Mixer since day one. They really push the games like Fortnite, you know, like they, they push Fortnite, they push Apex Legends, they push the hell out of play, uh, players on Battleground, uh, Paladins. They, they push those. I do think they need to make some room for other types of games as well. The d- discrepancy between those games versus other games like fighting games or Grand Theft Auto or casual games is really, really huge compared to Twitch. I think Picking up um, Ninja for Fortnite on Mixer is great, but they need to look at the other genres as well. I wanted to say that before, but they really need to do that. The fact that some of these games haven't even broken 1,000, you don't need to have Super Ultra Megastar on your platform streaming these games. Just somebody who's well-known. And there are a lot of people in every one of these games I'm looking at that they can bring on board. And they should probably look at doing that. But, um... Other than the fact that it's not on PlayStation, there's also a lot of streaming clients that don't stream to Mixer. One of them being uh, NVIDIA and uh, GeForce. It does not stream to Mixer. And I've been calling them out for months like, hey, NVIDIA, why don't you do this? Hey, NVIDIA, why don't you do this? And I started doing it again last couple of days. I don't wait for them to come back and say, hey, we're working on this because it's, it's silly. Because like I mentioned in the beginning of the stream, 
or the podcast, I play a lot of Destiny. Well, Destiny doesn't play right with OBS or XSplit. So in order to stream it, you have to either, or record, you have to put it in window mode or full screen, uh, full screen mode. The problem with that is you kind of screw yourself over with what you can use for recording. So I'm kind of gimped here. I can't stream the mixer unless I put it in window mode. And if you put Destiny 2 in window mode, it drops the performance down, which I don't really care too much about. So hopefully this also makes more, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Applications support Mixer a lot more than what they do now. That would be still growing. I mean, they only rebranded as Mixer a few years ago, and it's it's still a really, really new service compared to Twitch. And oh, Twitch yeah. still has the overwhelming majority of the market share. But I think we're finally reaching that threshold, especially with this Ninja thing. That Mixer, it's, it's going to become the big number two. I don't think big number it, two. I, I think it's going to stand... Stand right next to Twitch in a, in a few years from now. I think it'll it won't be like ninety percent mixer, ten percent ninety percent Twitch, ten percent mixer. It'll be almost fifty fifty. So you're thinking Facebook and YouTube won't be in the picture at all? YouTube gaming and YouTube streaming has has they they missed their window. Yeah, Facebook, I see Facebook existing in its own space because when when uh like the Twitch audience and the mixer audience think of streams, they don't normally go to Facebook, but for like the super casual audience. They will go to Facebook gaming. And I, I have some friends who stream who have a lot of success on Facebook gaming. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They, they, they've been doing, uh, they've been coming in hard. But I think Facebook and, and YouTube have to overcome the thing that they're not gaming brands first and foremost, or as Twitch and Mixer are. So well, I know a lot of streamers don't want to get invested in those platforms when there's going to be an afterthought compared to the main videos on YouTube or the main social uh, network part of Facebook. You're right. They're still popular services, no doubt, but I think Twitch and Mixer are the two to watch. I mean, I, like I said, I really hope that Mixer does well. I I really like the platform, and like I said, the moderation is great. The community is completely different than what I've seen on Twitch. People are helpful. You've got some people that are rude, but for the most part, the uh, people on Mixer have been really nice. So I'm hoping this continues. Yeah, like Mixer Chat is really nice. Twitch Chat, like I turn it off for every stream I go to. It's, I, yeah, it's a I, cesspool. It is the worst place on the internet. Mixer, yeah, I, Mixer's nice. I like yeah, Mixer. I, I can't, I can't look at Twitch Chat, especially when Evo. I yeah, it's off. Evo has I, it in sub only mode, and it's still bad. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Unfortunately, it's it really sucks. <sighs> All right, well, let's go ahead and move on to the next topic because this is one I actually want to talk about. <sighs> This is also the last one and uh, the biggest one. Uh, you know what? I'll let you talk first. I'm, I, my head hurts now. I'm, I'm just, I'm just so frustrated. I'm so mad about this. That's someone messed up real bad. <sighs> so I'm not too familiar with the situation, but I do, I do have the gist of it. So E3 is probably the biggest, uh, biggest gathering of journalists and gamers of the entire year. We just had our, our this year's in June, and everybody who went to this year's E3, I believe, it was two thousand, right? Do you have the exact number? It's two in the database that I have put up for people to check their information out. It's two thousand two two thousand and twenty five, and this was uh, content creators, basically streamers, um, people with pride for press and media, so websites, you know, door shockers, IGN, yeah, media many people, press. and some companies are on there as well. And they all they all got doxxed. Personal yep. information, emails, phone numbers, even addresses, which is what really got me. Yeah. I don't know why E3 has access to those people's addresses. 
But yeah, yeah. that information is out there. The public. Yeah. It's bad. There's probably going to be a lawsuit. Oh, no. There is no problem. There is going to be multiple lawsuits. They, are, they have just violated the GP, GDPR. So, if you got people that aren't aware of the acronym, the General Data Protection Regulation over in Europe. If they are going to get fined and sued left and right. I don't think we have anything like that in North America, but Europe takes that very seriously. And you because here in the states, like it's it's too many people getting their data misused. There there is grounds for a class action lawsuit here. Europe for sure, because they're real strict with that stuff. Yeah, yeah, and and, and like I was telling some people, you know, I work, I work, I'm I'm a professional. I, I work at an MSP, um, and we go through this compliance training and regulation stuff on a regular. And if something like this would have happened to us, holy shoot, we'd be screwed. It's this the is scale not of it that really gets me. Over two thousand people. That's that's a lot of people. The thing that's really bothering me, like you said, is the addresses. The addresses. There are people. There are content creators. There are prof- media professionals that like to be anonymous. They don't want people to know who they are because either they spark controversy or maybe GamerGate. Or people just don't like them, or people have a stick up their ass because of something they said, or et cetera, et cetera. And they, if they get a hold of this list, they now have their information. And I, I feel really bad for the females that are on here. Oh my god, this is the, especially the female streamers who do yeah. so do so much to keep their names and stuff, and their addresses and personal information off the internet. And now it's like, hey, if you apply for E three pass this year. You're on this list. Yeah, this puts a lot of people in danger. Like, yeah. real, actual danger. Yeah, it does. There's some messed up people out there, especially in the gaming industry. Oh my god. There All is it all. takes is one. So, this actually uh, developed a bit more. So, it looks like um, the ESA has been sending people emails about it. Uh, once somebody sent one to me. And it says... Register E3 journalist. The Entertainment Software Association was made aware yesterday of a website vulnerability on the Exhibitor Portal's section of the website. Unfortunately, a vulnerability was exploited and that list became public. We regret this happened and are sorry. We provide ESA members and exhibitioners a media list on a password-protected site so they can invite you to E3 press events, connect you with connect you with interviews, and let you know what they are showcasing. For more than 20 years, there has been never been an issue. When we found out, we took down the list and ensured the ensure it was no longer accessible on the E3 website. Again, we apologize for convenience, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We've taken steps to ensure this doesn't happen again. Okay. A couple issues I have with this. One, there's nothing you can say that can fix this. The list is out there. The fact that the list has been, has been archived, and as of this morning, in this afternoon, I could still download that damn list. I contacted several websites and saying, hey, you should probably take this down. And I can still download the list. I just downloaded the list. Yeah, this information, it's its never going away. It's its going to stay out there, no matter mm-hmm. how hard they try to erase it. I mean, somebody will hold on. I, I guarantee somebody is physically, they've printed it or something. It's its backed up somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I, I really have a beef with this because the, some people... Okay, so the person who brought this to light has been known to be part of the Gamergate movement. And has caused issues for journalists in the past. And doesn't have a really reputable name. Okay, I get that. And I really don't care about that right now. 
the fact that this person brought this to light and followed appropriate steps to tell the ESA that, hey, this list is out there, this link is accessible, and didn't hear anything back, I think this person made the right call by calling the company out. Now, there are some people who don't agree with that and are calling her random names, saying it's her fault that she opened her mouth and that now everybody knows about this list. And I completely disagree. There's a certain prominent person over at Kutaku saying this as well. And I, I, I don't agree. And the reason for this is, regardless of what the ESA says, we have no idea how long this list was out there. A day, two weeks, a month, three months. E3 was at June. We don't know if that list was made available before or after. No idea. So this list could have been scraped hundreds of thousands of times by unsavory people who don't want you to know that they saw this list. No different than when people hack banks or credit card companies, get a hold of your social security card and open up accounts under your name and you know nothing about it. This is no different. The fact that she called them out and made them take the link down makes that person a hero, not the cause of this issue. Had this person said nothing and probably just downloaded the link and used it for their own purposes, we would never know. This would still be going on. So yeah, the people that are taking hot takes on this and saying that this person is responsible are clearly in the wrong here. This is not how this worked. It's called whistleblower for a reason. They did a good thing. And the fact that this person was responsible or part of some stuff that they should not have been in the past, what's any different than a criminal going to jail for a crime, reforming in prison, coming out and can't get a job? I mean, come on. Because they did something bad, they can't do something good? That's kind of hypocritical of people, I think. Yeah, so long as this person took the necessary steps and alerted the ESA and said, hey, there, there's a breach here, you need to fix this, They're, they can call the company out if they want. Like they did, The only people that they alerted to this issue are not the ones that are going to abuse it. Like right. The, the video they put out that alerted like the general public that, hey, there was a breach of all the, and everybody got doxxed, they're not the ones to worry about. It's it's the people who have known about it before. And I guarantee you they were not the first to find the video. Oh, hell no. They were not the first no. to find the, find the document. People have had this before. That's scary to think about. But yeah, yeah it has been two months since E3. That's a while. Yeah, and we have no idea how long this past or this list has been out there. The information that I saw on the list had three dates on it, and they all were before E3 even happened. Meaning this is when everybody got access to their past and they closed their registration. So this list could have been out there for a, a few months. That data was easily accessible for a few months. And God knows what possessed this person to click on this link in the first place, but I'm glad that they did. Granted, we're not on there, but there are a lot of people on this list and shit's about to hit the fan for these people. Really bad. And I feel bad about that. You know, it's... Yeah, this is this is a lot bigger than I think people are realizing at, the, at this point. You know, this is... This is... This... We're in a day and age where credit card companies and banks and everybody are getting compromised and, and breached on a daily basis. And now we got a video game organization that's also getting, you know, for one reason or another, are also now part of an issue. You know, suffice to say, these lawsuits, <laughs> there may not be an E3 next year or the year after. Because, one, they might get sued out of existence. Two, you've lost all trust. All trust. Gone. Completely gone. And it also makes it worse for every other organization to do that does the same thing. PAX is going to have a hard time for PAX South and probably people are already questioning them. So how is your, your process any different than theirs for PAX West, which is this month? New York Comic Con, any other major event now. This is going to light a fire under everybody's ass. And unless, you're, unless you don't care about your security and your, your confidentiality, you're going to start questioning these things. Every big gaming event, Geek culture event and beyond 
that collects this information is going to be on blast. People are going to want to know, what are you going to do with this information? Why do you need this information? Why do you need my home address? Why do you need my phone number? It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a disaster. And honestly, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how this happened. I don't care how it happened. I would love to see it get, you know, wrapped up and really nice and with an EPO, but this is not going to happen. And I'm uh, really this surprised. This is going to drag on for a while. And I'm really surprised that big websites and big organizations have not reported this. I don't understand this. I mean, because I looked at this link and there's, there's like there's like people from ABC and Newslink and stuff on there, and they have to know what's going on. I mean, if you pay attention to Twitter and to Reddit and everything else, you know that this is happening. Why are these big companies? Why are these organizations not saying anything? Yeah, this is like huge. This is like real news, not video yeah. game news. Yeah, this is this is big. This is this is a breach. Your personal information is not out there, guys. Ah, it's um, yeah. I I really don't want to think about it because it's it's really horrible and it's frustrating. It really is. I mean, I'm just glad I didn't sign up for it this year. I mean, granted, my personal information, my address is on my website, but I'm also not one of those people that care that people know where I'm at. Here I am, but like again, there are people that like to be anonymous on the internet. And if you sign up for E3 this year for a media pass, that's gone, gone, completely gone. Yeah, I'm really curious to see if this if this conversation is going to pop back up next year before E3 2020. I'm sure it will, but I wonder what effect it's going to have on the show. I, like I said, if they don't get sued out of existence, they're, they're going to have to prove to everybody that they're responsible. I, I honestly wonder if like a major press outlet next year will just boycott it and refuse to go, which it's... I think on any other year it could happen, but next year is going to be the year we see next-gen consoles. So I think as harmful as it potentially could be that these outlets are still going to end up going just to, to cover that because that's, that's going to get uh, headlines and clicks. Well, here's the problem. The damage has been done. The people that went to E3 this year, I mean, I, it, it may suck saying this, but the people that went this year, that got passed this year, that are going to sign up again next year, had they not known about this, your information is already out there. So does it matter? Somebody knows where you live already. Does it matter? You, are you going to get up and move? Is are two thousand two thousand twenty five people on this list going to up and get different phone numbers and move to different locations? No, they're not. So those people that are exposed, yes, it sucks they were exposed. It's not going to change anything for them. For those who have not went to E three yet, yeah, that's going to be a problem. The process needs to change. E three is going to have to stop taking as much information as they need. <clears throat> and I get it. Some of this information is is relevant. Like they want your home address because maybe they're going to send. They send you the mailings. They send you the packets. You might be getting something special from a, from an exhibitor or something. I totally understand why you asked for that. But the way you handle it, no, no, you can't be trusted. There's going to be a lot of problems when E3 comes up next year. If there is an E3 next year, I mean there has to be because you're right. The new PlayStation, the new Xbox. What would be interesting though is if these big companies decide they're not going to go. What would happen if? Nintendo says we're not coming if Microsoft says we're not coming if Sony says we're not coming. And they very well, well, Sony pulled out this year. They could do it again. Microsoft yeah. does their theater. They already do their big thing there anyway. It would Nintendo, be a, Nintendo's only there in spirit pretty much. It would be a big show of force if, you know, both Sony and Microsoft said, you know what? We care about our family. Or we care about our fans and we're not going to support this. That would be huge. And I think if they were to do that next year would be the year to do it because it's console reveals. They're going to do their own special little event. It, it, E3 is in a very interesting place and it has been for a while, but this has really spiced things up. Yes. Hey, t- do it at PAX. Do it at PAX. Do it somewhere else. I don't know. Either way, yeah, I, I really don't want to talk about it anymore. This is really bad. Really bad. Really. A really shitty situation all the way around. There's there's no candy coating. It's bad. Anyway. I'm going to go watch some more Evo. So, you got any uh, 
any last words of wisdom before we depart? Uh, not really. Yeah, folks. Um, stay safe out there with this E3 leak. If you're on the list, there are various ways to find out if you're on the list. Outside of that, if you were exposed, definitely contact the ESA and definitely try and get a hold of a lawyer. There's definitely going to be a lawsuit. And you need to make sure you're protected one way or another. And unfortunately, watch out for the crazies if you've been exposed. Uh, that said, uh, we'll catch you next week, likely Friday or Saturday for the next podcast. Hopefully, we'll have other members on the show as well. But for uh, Keith Mitchell and Diego, uh, have a great night. And um, I'm going to go watch some more fighting game stuff. <laughs>